Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Vayishlach Shlishi, the third Aliyah in Parshas Vayishlach. Our Aliyah is a short one of only eight Pesukim long, running from Perak Lamed Beis Pasuk Lamed Aleph to Perak Lamed Gimel Pasuk Hey. The main topic of our Aliyah is the Gidanasha and meeting Esav. Let's take a look at a, a brief overview and then jump into some points to ponder. So we hear that Yaakov now calls this place where he fought with his angel Peniel. Why? Because he calls it the place where he met God or a, a, a agent of Hashem, of Elohim, a power, Ponim, El Ponim, face to face, she and his soul was saved. In the morning, the sun, the sun rises, he is now w- walking with a limp. That's why that we are told, as the, the Torah tells us as an aside, moving away from the narrative, that B'nai Yisrael should not eat the Gid Hanashe, the sciatic nerve of the animal, because until this day, because that was where Yaakov was affected. That's where he was hurt in this struggle. So that's the first part of the Aliyah. The second part of the Aliyah is that Yaakov now lifts up his eyes and he sees that Esav is coming. So he's just finished fighting the angel of Esav. Now he meets Esav in person. But the 400 men are still with him. So it sounds like Esav still means business. So he immediately divides up the children, and based on the mothers, there's Leah, there's Rachel, and then there's Bila and Zilpah. And he, the way he organizes it, he puts Bila and Zilpah first, then Leah and, and the, her children um, next, and Rachel and Yosef are at the back. And he goes in front of all of them, and he bows down, he prostrates himself seven times, each time coming closer to Esav. And Esav, seeing this, runs up to him, hugs him, falls upon his shoulders and kisses him and cries. A lot of emotions, a lot of actions in that Pasuk. And then he lifts up his eyes and Esau sees the women, the children, and he says, Who are these to you? And Yaakov says, These are the children which God has given to me. So you a lot of things to think about, to contemplate in this Aliyah. Number one is, did this incident actually happen? The, uh, the, the, uh, the episode of the of the fight with the angels. So we say, well, of course it happened. That's not necessarily the case. The Ramam Memorial as he says about other examples of interactions with angels, believes this was all a dream. Yaakov never actually fought physically with an angel because a human being does not have the capacity to interact with something of the divine. Therefore, this is all a dream. The Ramban asks on that and says, well, then why, as we see in this Aliyah, was he limping the next morning? One would have to say, according to the Raman, that there might have been some sort of psychosomatic damage, which means to say that this experience, the spiritual experience in his dream, had a physical residue, had a physical effect as well. Just worthwhile knowing that the opinion of the Rambam, who is in the minority, um, understands that this was not actually a physical experience, but rather a spiritual experience. Most of the Mephoshim did not understand that way as well. They take it literally. Now, why did the angel decide to hurt his thigh? Why was it that his thigh was the part that was grabbed and um, hurt and put out of place, that he's limping the next morning? So the most basic idea, as the tour points out, is to trip him up. Meaning to say, if you can't win, let's get him onto the ground. Once you're on the ground, you're more um, susceptible. So um, that's perhaps what's going on over here. However, the, the perhaps on the more nefarious the perspective, the, this is to invalidate him for Avodah. If Yaakov is going to serve as the priest, he wants to invalidate him for him acting as a proper priest. Why is that important? Because the item which Yaakov, you know, or the idea which Yaakov had traded away from Esav was the Bechorah, the firstborn right, which included the service in the temple. That being the case, what Esav or his, or his spiritual expression is trying to do is invalidate Yaakov for that service itself.
As it turns out, this is not genetic. Yaakov's children are able to walk around and they will serve as priests as well. The, uh, the Chassam Sofer says something pretty remarkable over here. And he says this all relates to the notion of Techeles. Techeles is the, what the Torah commands us we need to put onto our tzitzis. And the reason why we're, what it's supposed to trigger in our minds, as the Medrash famously says, is when a person looks at the blue of the Techeles, they're supposed to think about the sea. And when they think about the sea, they think about the sky. And when they think about the sky, they think about the Kisei HaKavod, the throne of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the Chassam Sofer explains is this is a beautiful expression of not just Techeles, but tachlis. What that means to say is, what is the purpose of life? When we're supposed to look at the at the at the trellis, we are supposed to be thinking about what is our purpose in this world. And we we look to three things essentially, which are our spiritual purpose for being here. Suggests the Chasm Sofer. The first is the idea of the yam, the sea. The yam refers to Torah itself. The idea of the Ratzon Hashem, of Hashem's will, look to that idea and you will find purpose. But then, there's a, beyond that, is you need to see beyond the actual entity of the, of the finite sea, we need to look to the words of the sages, which explain, which direct, which curtail, which give synthesis to those ideas. And that is like the sky, even vaster than the sea as well. The Torah Shabbat Peh, perhaps one would want to say as well, through the minds of human beings. And finally, there's Kisei Kovod that refers to where the base of Migdash is and the avoider that we're going to be doing in the base of Migdash. These are the three tachlises that we're supposed to be thinking about in our lives. So it points out the Chassam Sofer that if you take the Roshe Tevois, the acronym of those three ideas, the Yam, the Rakia, and the Kisei Kovod, Yam, Rakia, Kisei is Yerech, is Thigh, which means that it's a symbolic attack on these three notions. What Esau tries to dislodge is our relationship to our Torah, our relationship to our sages, and our relationship to the base of Migdash. And in certain situations, very successfully so. But that's the struggle, the eternal struggle that the Jew has with Esau. Finally, Ramban says that this the reason why it's the thigh is because it relates to, it's a metaphoric for his ability to have children. And that means to say this is a fight for all future generations. That means to say that all the tzaddikim in the future, through the Doro Shal Shmad, through the generations of all kinds of terrible decrees, are going to be fought. Yaakov is going to have to overcome, even though Esav has a certain reach, a certain level of power over the future generations based on their, the, these descriptions. He quotes an example. The Medrash Rabbah quotes this about the Doro Shal Baba, Shal Yehuda Ben Bava. And if you read the Gemara in Sanhedrin about Rabbi Yehuda Bebava, he gave smicha at the time of the Hadrianic persecutions to five of his students and was killed. He was he, he was uh, he was uh, killed by um, the Romans throwing spears through his body numerous times as he ran to protect his students from continuing the chain of Torah. And that's really what's being described over here is the continuation. That's why it's the thigh as well. Now, why, why is the Gira Nasheh, the, 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 the way that we keep this, this commandment today, what's, why is this the way that we do this? So, Riva, in his explanation on the Torah, says that this refers to the Zecher Lanes. It's a remembrance of the miracle that Yaakov Inu survived this experience, even though he was injured. However, he has another very unique interpretation, and that is, is that perhaps it is actually as a remembrance that Yaakov Inu perhaps would have been less vulnerable if his children had come with him. The reason Yaakov Inu was alone and therefore more susceptible to this attack was because his children did not come with him. And therefore it's a rebuke 
a, so to speak, latent rebuke to all the children to not eat the Gedanasha as a remembrance of the fact that we did not take care enough of our patriarch, Yaakov, leaving, leaving him to be able to be injured in such a way. The Rachana Kodesh says that since the angel was able to control his, um, since the angel was able to uh, control and touch the Yerech, this part of the thigh of Yaakov, it imbued in all creatures, in all creation, as an element of tumor, of impurity, into that Yerech. And that's why we can't even eat the Yerech or the sciatic nerve of animals, because it, they were changed spiritually at this moment. Um, during the course of this fight as well. And that's why he says, interestingly enough, if you look at the sciatic nerve itself, this particular nerve, it's, if removed, is not to aim beginning of a nose and time, doesn't have a taste because it's lost all of its, um, its spirituality. And that's why it doesn't have any physical taste as well. Now, why does Esav run and hug and kiss Yaakov? So the, the Rashi says, his mercy was triggered. His humanity, his brotherhood shone through even despite all the anger, the jealousy, the animosity of these decades as well. When it comes to kissing, it's interesting that the word Vayishakeyu actually has dots above it. So the Ralbag suggests that the, perhaps this, the syntax indicates the struggle that he is going through himself. On the one hand, he's trying to kiss him, but he doesn't feel it, and there's a struggle internally. Rashi quotes the Medrash with two opinions. It says uh, that he kissed him with all his heart, he accepted Yaakov with all his heart, but perhaps the dots indicate it was not full-hearted because he was struggling with the Radak. The Radak actually presents a third option from the base of the Medrash, that yeah, he was trying to bite the neck of Yaakov. So this was not just a struggle about affection. This was actually perhaps even something which was terribly damaging. But the neck of Yaakov hardened to stone and he was not able to hurt Yaakov. You can obviously see from the way the Midrash is describing this, there was a large conflict. Esau is de deeply conflicted in his relationship with his brother. Brother or enemy, and that's part of a conflict which has continued for many generations. Finally, You'll notice at the end that Esav asks about the wives and the children. You'll notice Yaakov does not ask, answer about the wives. He only answers about the children. He wants to um, deflect Esav's attention from his wives. Um, and it's interesting that part of the question of what Esav is saying is, seems to be the perennial question that Esav has about Yaakov throughout the generations, and that is, what right do you have to succeed? What right do you have to have love, to have family, to have children, to be successful, to have insular communities. H how dare you succeed in a certain sense? And what Yaakov is saying is, I don't. I'm doing this at the bequest of God. That's the only reason I'm successful. It's not because of you. It's not because of me. It's because I'm, be I'm part of a larger story that I'm trying to continue. And that's this, the, these dialogues, dialogues which were not just had between two brothers, they're dialogues which were had throughout the ages. With this, we conclude the third Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.